Hey there, Dragonfly Nation. Caleb coming to you with a really cool offer from my dear friend Chris Gilmore from Chris Outdoors. When you first get started exploring the outdoors, whether it be through hunting, camping, or survival skills, it can all get a little bit mm, daunting and maybe even overwhelming in regards to how much there is to learn. Having a solid foundation in tracking and naturalist skills can help open the door to bushcraft and make you learn much faster. It can also just make things outdoors that much for, uh, that much more fun and exciting. What bird made that call? What animal does that track belong to? What do those clouds mean in regards to the incoming weather? Nature awareness is a skill set that is transferable to all aspects of bushcraft and beyond. Whether you are a hunter, a trapper, an angler, a survivalist, a paddler, or a hiker, this skill set can help make you safer and make your experiences that much more enjoyable. Chris has taught literally thousands of people how to read sign, whether it be through tracks, bird language, or the environment itself. And with his new online learning course, Reading Nature's Language, he can help you take your skills to the next level. Even though it is based online, you will have access to tons of practical activities and challenges that will make you the woodland Jedi you always wanted to be. Check out the trailer and more details at www.learnnatureslanguage.com. And just to sweeten the deal for you, enter the promo code DRAGONFLY to get 25% off the course. Again, that is www.learnnatureslanguage.com with the promo code DRAGONFLY for 25% off. To know the landscape is to open up a door. Than you've ever felt before. We know that you will love this podcast. So shut your mouth and listen to Canadian Bushcraft. Hello, Dragonfly Nation. This is the Canadian Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Caleb Musgrave. And I'm joined here by my Co-hosts, there's almost a special guest, but we got a special guest as well. I'm very tired. Our co-hosts, Nikki Satira and Rye, the adventure guy. But we have a special guest as well, Michaela Carrier from Cumberland House Creation. <laughs> and also actually Big Eddie Lodge, which is 50 kilometers mm-hmm. from there. But it's a little cabin trap line in the woods. That's I've been following you since basically since we met and I started seeing your social media stuff. And it's just like, man, you live in like the perfect place. You live in my dream home kind of place. And the way Michaela and I first met was back in was it 2017? Is it that long ago? It's that long ago. Man, holy crap, it feels weird. Uh Michaela and I met on this little thing called Merchants of the Freaking Wild, this amazing TV show that's on APTN. Uh, she was one of the adventures from the first season uh, where they went up towards Constance Lake First Nation, uh, quite a ways away, but not too. I think the closest big town would be Hearst. Um, and they spent 25 days out on the land living as our ancestors did during the fur trade era. So they had some steel axes. They had some cast iron pots. They had some wool blankets, I believe uh animal skins and then they were also given certain tools as they went through the series by different knowledge holders and elders and i was asked to come up to teach them how to build shelter uh and while i was up there i was helping like do a few other little things in the background kind of became a background consultant here and there for the show and the first day i got there 
Uh, the adventurers had to get ready for a bunch of different stuff. And while that was happening, Michaela just trotted out, off across the road and started harvesting all these plants and knew what the plants were and knew them from the, from the road's edge. She knew what those plants were like 20 yards away. And I was like, oh, we're going to get along. Her and I are going to get along. We both are plant nerds. This is perfect. And then everybody else kind of congregated. There was Tim. There was Brendan. There was, uh, I want to say, uh, there was Gabby. Ebony. Ebony, yes. And uh, Caleb, which is, <laughs> they started calling me the big Caleb and him little Caleb. At least that's what he started saying. And uh, I just love these kids. I absolutely love all six of you. You people are some of my favorite people in the world. Like constantly just, I feel like a big brother watching you guys succeed and do everything amazing that you do now on your social media. And I'm just so excited for you all the time. And tonight- Although we're not, we're not yep. kids. We're, uh, we're the same age, actually, aren't we? <laughs> How old are you? I'm 30, 31. Oh. Nope, I'm still older than you. Ha ha. Okay. Oh my gosh, Caleb. <laughs> I'm 47 years old. Don't no, you remember? No, you're not. <laughs> I'm the same. Michaela, 1989? Yeah. Yeah. We're the same age. Okay, there you go. See, you're all children. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I fell in love with these people and I adore you guys. And because of what happened yesterday on Saturday was the premiere of season two of Merchants of the Wild, we figured we would do an episode talking about like the behind the scenes of Merchants of the Wild, talking about all the work, because Ryan and I have a relationship with season two uh, that was all about the canoes that were on that show, the Gwitten, which is the uh, Mi'kmaq or uh, Ilnu word for canoe is Gwitten. And Ryan and I were some of the people who built those canoes and got them put together and watched them go out into the sea and everything else that you get to see in episode one and beyond. Um, and so we're like, we should talk about the show. And I was like, hold on, we should get someone from the original season on. And I just started harassing Michaela on social media for the last two days. Be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing this, this certain time? She's like, I'm building a cabin. What do you need? <laughs> So yeah. I'm so glad you reached out to me though. And it just happened to be, I turned on the generator because um, I'm, there's no power out here. So we right. turn on the generator, the internet goes on and I got your message. So you got me just in time. I love it. Like this is the real deal. That's one of the first things I figured out about you is you're, there's a lot of people that talk about, and I like, I'm not going to lie where I live is fairly like rural, not wilderness. I live South of Peterborough, Ontario. I live less than two hours from Toronto. I have power whenever I need it. I have internet whenever I need it. Our drinking water is fine. We have a pump. We have water filtration systems. We have everything we possibly ever imagine. I have a furnace that's made mm -hmm. of propane. And then it's like, meet, and then you meet Michaela and she's this person who's just like, oh yeah, I just lived in a trapper shack for half my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that response. <laughs> I love that response. You're like, laugh at me and then yep. Um so tell us a little bit about yourself before you got like what who are you? Who the hell is Michaela? So I'm uh well I'm a Cree Metis woman from uh Cumberland House. That's the nearest community. Mm -hmm. And my parents they raised us out on the trap line. So my dad, he's a, he's a trapper, a fisherman, and he's a canoer. And my mom as well, she's a canoer educator. And uh, they decided that they wanted to live off the grid. 
totally wild style, just like the way my dad was raised as a cream man in the bush. And uh, so that's, that was my upbringing. I was homeschooled. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't have much interaction with the, the real world. That's what I call the outside world is the real world. <laughs> and uh, eventually I went out and I, uh, I did a horticulture program and, uh, and then I went on to the merchants of the wild. And that actually totally inspired me for the, the next chapter of my life the 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 post merchant chapter which is I have my own business now and I do I guide canoe trips and I take people out into the wilderness and I teach them about the plants and uh we live in a or we stay in a teepee and oh it's just it's really awesome but that was definitely inspired by merchants <laughs> oh and um I guess other things that I do are beadwork. So I, I love yes. traditional Métis Cree style beadwork. My grandmother taught me how to do that. And um, that's like, yeah, that's my second job that I have pretty much um, creating all those beautiful art pieces mm -hmm. that are really inspired by plants that I harvest on the land. Which is like amazing because I've tried to bead for half my life and I've just given up. I've got, I've got like... My, my hands are really good at holding an axe. They're not really good at holding a beading needle, especially on a straight line or anything that's actually like detailed. So I've got a lot of, I have a lot of admiration for you flat out. Like, frankly, I like have this like just overwhelming appreciation for everything you do. Like you were some, one of the coolest people I know on social media that I've met in person and got to know in a very strange, bizarre way out in the middle of the woods with a bunch of strangers pointing cameras in our faces and it's just this amazing i feel the same about you it was like we were put out into the wilderness and frankly there was many people that involved that didn't know much about the, the wilderness at all yeah and i felt like i had um, the most skill out there and then all of a sudden you showed up like the the bush savior that you are with your your bush jesus beard and you like are you kidding these amazing skills like how bush to build jesus. a shelter like jeremiah johnson just wanders out of the woods just looks over and nods gives a little nod and a smile yeah. bush jesus. i'm gonna refer to you as that from now on Caleb. oh god you know what it's still it's still better than all the other comments i've had for who i am i've been called the I've been called the Guy Fieri of bushcraft, and this is still a better compliment. So I'm fine with this. That's I'm, I'm fine with this. Bush yeah, was... We gotta change the name of Camp Mud to Flavor Town. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was it was honestly like the 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 highlight of my trip up to where we were filming, of just like seeing this this like Nahio Akwe uh, woman like Nahio Esque like rocking it like fuck like fucking rocking it you were a boss out there like i was watching these guys that were the same age as you or my age and they were like tripping over their own damn feet trying to keep up in the bush and there you are like hauling back poles three times the length that they were bringing back for shelters and like bucking firewood with an axe no need to use a saw whatsoever like you were honestly like, and I, and I love all six of the adventures. Don't get me wrong. Every single one of them I love, but you're someone that's just like this badass queer that I just like really admire and respect. 
And the fact that from that, you then went off to create your own business. You created your own industry in a sense at where you are. And then also you started off your own podcast this past year. You started up pre talks. Yes, um, so that's something I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, I've actually, because where I've lived is in the middle of nowhere, the only thing we ever had growing up was the radio. So I've listened to mm-hmm. radio my whole life. So I actually, I love the medium of, of like talk radio, of, um, of podcasts. Like I, I just love it. So this mm. has been kind of like a, a dream child of mine that I've been wanting to, um, to produce for a while. So I talked to my dad, I said, let's record you speaking Cree. Uh, my oh, yeah. dad, perfectly bilingual. So I said, let's do it so that people can actually follow along and they can learn. So and yeah, in Cree Talks podcast, he's uh, talking for just a, a, um, maybe 30 or 60 seconds in Cree and then he translates. So you can mm. actually follow along. You can learn a little bit of Cree or you could just listen for the deadly bush stories that my dad tells. And I love it. He's going, he's going into some pretty, because um, he's lived the real bush life. I feel yeah. like nothing compared to my dad. Like he's been... Um, I think he started hunting when he was like five years old. He could barely even hold a gun and he's been guiding since he was eight years old. So he's been out in the woods. Like he has so much knowledge, like, and the stories he tells are way better in Cree. So mm. it's good to hear, even if you don't understand Cree to hear him speaking it. Cause he has, it's more, so animate, um, animate, expressive. Yeah. So that's why I'm really excited about that podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of just stumbled across it. It was the funniest thing because I knew who you were and I heard you mention in one of your, like on one of your social media posts, like uh, something about a podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, right on. And then like the one night I was just kind of scrolling through Spotify, trying to find some new podcast. And I was like, I'm going to look for some indigenous stuff. And yours was the third one down the list. And I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize she actually like had the podcast out already. And I, it was like, it was the moose episode that I listened to. I think it was like your first episode. I think it was Moose. And then right after, I think it was the same day that you dropped your ice one that where your dad was talking about like the danger of the ice and everything. And so I started mm-hmm. listening to that one. I'm like, it was a, literally like a month or so. Maybe actually a couple, actually maybe it was a couple of weeks. I can't remember exactly when, but it was like when the time it was, we had done our own ice safety podcast episode. And then I found yours. I'm like, this is even cooler. Like, I love what we did, but this is like another perspective altogether on that. It was so flipping cool to just get other like, and I was like, I immediately shared the podcast like all over my social media. I I spammed everybody with it because it's such a it's a such a it's a great medium. It's why we like doing it. It's it's an easy medium to communicate and convey concepts. I, I really do love podcasts, and like you, I grew up listening to the law, a lot of the radio with my parents, my grandfather especially. My grandfather was big on CBC radio and all that. We didn't have a TV yeah, in his the- house. The best thing about uh, podcasts and radio is you can bushcraft while you're doing it. So you can skin the beaver, you can <laughs> mm-hmm, boil mm-hmm. your maple syrup, you can do whatever you want and listen to your podcast. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. You can't really watch a YouTube video when you're trying to keep your hand lined up for the skinning cuts. Yeah. <laughs> so since we're here to celebrate Merchants of the Wild, we should talk about your time on the show. What was it? What was it that got you interested in being on Merchants of the Wild in the first place? Like, what made you be like, that's something I should do? So when Merchants of the Wild first came out, I probably got like 
20 different messages from all these different people saying like you should sign up for this show like people are going canoeing into the woods and mm. like, you'll be the perfect person so eventually I said you know what I should do this like everyone's telling me that it'd be a cool idea like why not I'll I'll do it go on an adventure I can do canoe trips I've done lots of canoe trips before but really I had no idea what I was getting involved with um but yeah I just sent in like a cell phone video it's in the first episode you'll see me mm -hmm. just like talking to <laughs> talking to the camera saying like hey I live in the woods like I want to be part of this and um and it actually it got delayed for quite a few years before yeah. it actually filmed but I was like I was signed up from <coughs> the beginning like I want to do Heck yeah. so but as I had no idea what I was getting into um I never even knew that like bushcrafting or like um any of that was the actual culture or like, there's all those skills mm -hmm. um I didn't know about any other shows like I never watched alone or um there's a whole bunch of different shows out there never watched them so I had no idea right what I was getting into I just had my trapper experience which is pretty good experience especially when you <laughs> and, when you nailed a beaver on the show and had it skinned and processed and everything like oh yeah it was awesome so that's what got me into the show was just um everyone encouraging me to do it and i'm glad i did it was probably the coolest experience i ever had and i know that you made a big impression on people like rob evis after that like Rob was really impressed with you. Uh, he he spoke very highly of you later on when we got to hang out during Merchant season two. He he talked really highly of like he talked highly of everybody. He was really pre again like he respected everybody. He liked everybody on the show, but like he was like I brought her on another show with me too. I'm like what? He goes yeah. We she was on another show with me, and I think it was called The Brigade or something. Yeah. So um, through that show, I made lots of good connections, but Rob Evis, he owns a safety wilderness company mm -hmm. and he hired me from that show so I could go work on um, another TV series. And I was one of the, the lead guides behind the scenes, like taking, I, taking the cameraman around. So I got to be on both sides of the TV industry, like, you know, guiding the cameraman and being filmed. So I got to see um, I prefer actually the filming part. I don't know if I would ever want to be yeah. filmed again, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad. We're going to start up our own TV show. I guess we can't have Michaela with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Okay. You've convinced me. I'll go back. <laughs> so, and actually it's like, it's such a small world because Ryan actually got training with Rob way back when he was uh, going through all, a lot of his training to become a guide as well. And so it's, it was, a, it was the funniest kind of times. Like I got out to uh, Nova Scotia for season two. So season two for everybody that's curious season, uh, season one was up in OG Cree territory. And so the show comes out first in OG Cree language and second in English yesterday, Saturday uh, evening, the English episode dropped for this season, which is, was filmed in uh Putlatek area of Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia, which is Mi'kmaq territory. And so First episode drops in Mi'kmaq language. Second episode draw a uh, same episode drops later in English language. And so we were out there. I'm working on the canoes still because we were on a time crunch and I had to do some finishing work on them while I was out there. And uh, I'm hanging out with Rob Evis because he's the other canoe guy that's there. And Ryan messaged me. He's like, hey, so what are you up to? How's everything out there? And I'm like, I'm hanging out with a guy named Rob Evis. And Ryan's like, you're shitting me. That's one of my teachers back when I was getting trained. 
like such a small world and rob is like seems to be connected with everybody he just seems to show up everywhere it's he's just one of those names and so especially if you're from ontario so oh sorry true it's a small world in the the Mm -hmm. wilderness come even though we're all spread out we never see each other when there is a big event we do see each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) we should like uh i know people have heard us talk with us on the podcast before the way that ryan and i first got to know each other really well is we went out to the global bushcraft symposium that was actually out near you we were out in alberta um we're over here in ontario right now um and so we were a little closer to you then and i was like trying to get tim trying to get a hold of you trying to get a hold of everybody from merch to try and see if anybody wanted to come to see this thing nobody got back and touched me in time it was just too late i was i didn't think about it until it was like the day that we were driving out but uh season uh the second symposium hopefully like hopefully if everything is safe and everything is clean and everything is clear uh it's supposed to happen in 2022 in united kingdom Really? That sounds like an amazing symposium. And Ryan and I already lined up to head out there. We're pretty much ready to rock. But you should come too. Like you should be making connections with these people. These are some of the people. Oh, it's just, it's it's an amazing crew. There's so many good people in the bushcraft community. There's a lot of knuckleheads, but you get that in any kind of community you go into. You get into herbalism, there's knuckleheads in herbalism. You get into tracking, there's going to be knuckleheads in tracking. You get into playing Magic the Gathering or some other D&D style tabletop games, there's knuckleheads there. Anything you do, there's going to be knuckleheads. But there's some really, really beautiful, loving, amazing people in the bushcraft community. And I I would love to help introduce you to some of those people because they're just the salt of the earth, in my opinion. So I agree. <laughs> so have you seen season two yet? I have not seen seen season two. Um, I'm kind of avoiding it. It's like it's bringing up a lot of different emotions and just like, oh man, like I'm feeling like I wish I was out there back in that tent and mm-hmm. um, like I'm trying not to think about it, but here I am talking about it. <laughs> yep. It was. There was a lot of interesting so new struggles. You, What's that? Can you um, do a recap of episode one? And, so, what, um, so what I can tell you about episode one, um, because I don't want to cause too many spoilers, but I figure this is coming out the day after. So if you haven't watched the show, this is your own damn fault, everybody. Um, so episode one <laughs> is when we first start off with the canoes and the adventures. They're coming down through uh, the shorelines of the ocean. They're like They're right on the Atlantic. And this is literally less than 12, 15 hours after a hurricane had just finished. Like we, when we were there, we got there and we had to extend our stay by an extra two days for me because the, sh- the, the hurricane showed up. Like it just, we, it just was there. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it was Darren or Darian or Daryl or something like that. Hurricane started with a D and it was a male name. That's all I can remember. Um, and here I am, like, I have to finish the back stem of the canoe. I'm, I, we didn't get time to finish gumming it before it had to get shipped out. So there I am with this big pot of gum, spruce gum with bear grease and a little bit of charcoal mixed in it that I'm going to be applying. And I got to finish stitching some holes <clears throat> to seal the canoe together and then gum it to waterproof it as a hurricane just knocks all the power in all Cape Breton out and starts knocking trees down everywhere. And like everybody is flown in from everywhere they're supposed where they're where they originate from, and they're all just 
stuck in this one place while we're all just trying to make any Rob was uh, Rob Evis actually started, had to use his uh, generator to power half the hotel that we were staying in <laughs> just so that we could handle all of the computers and the cameras and everything that was actually happening living in this place until the hurricane could subside and go away. And so if, if you don't know much about hurricanes, which I don't know if a lot of people who listen here have experienced many hurricanes, but there's this thing called the surf on the coast and the surf is where the waves are coming through. And there's actually this like rolling bottom. Like it's not just a perfect smooth bottom of the ocean floor, right? There's like lifts and drops, lifts and drops. And so the water follows those and creates this kind of ripple effect all the way up. And that's what causes the big break and the big massive waves on the shoreline that come crashing down like a tidal wave. And on a regular day, those are pretty rough. The next like three days after a hurricane, it's a fucking tsunami. Like constantly just water is showering everywhere and nothing is safe and nothing is calm. And they're like, we need to launch a canoe in this with our, like, we have to put them in their canoes and they got to, they got us the paddle along the shore here. And I'm like, these are birch bark canoes that we just finished. And you want to put them in the goddamn Atlantic ocean right after a hurricane with people who are just learning a lot about canoes and everything else. No. <laughs> And luckily, Rob was like the other voice of reason. Like, That's not happening. We've, we kind of find a different spot. So they end up going to this big, beautiful saltwater lagoon that's connected to that exact same ocean where the next view, like where we're looking, the next stop, if you look straight across, is Africa. Like that's how, like, that's how far east we are in this part of Canada. And wow. we get into this little lagoon and they set up there and they're going to learn to paddle. And as they're paddling, the swell is still coming into the lagoon. And also, even though they were told, like, hey, this is how you got to ca carry these canoes. This is how you have to treat these canoes. This is how you have to respect these canoes. People dropped them on rocks. People dragged them through sand. And they tore up a bunch of that spruce gum. And sure enough, something happens in the lagoon. But I'm not going to tell everybody. I don't want to spoil everything. But when they get Ooh. to the next site, they're, they're, when they first get there with the canoes, they meet me. I talk to them about the canoes. They also had time during the hurricane to train with me unlike you guys they had time to actually learn how to use a knife learn how to use an axe in detail before they went out because we're like we're stuck here for two extra days so we actually got the camera crew out we filmed like a little bit of experience like here's how to not get cut here's how not to cut, cut your foot open with an axe here's how not to slice your hand off with a knife uh here's how not to break your axe off a rock or anything <clears throat> and uh <laughs> We needed that training. You definitely <laughs> needed that training. That was the greatest moment when I came back for the uh, the season finale with you guys, and you show uh, one of the, you guys shows up with that axe, and there's a giant crescent of steel missing on the toe of the axe or the heel of the axe, and I was just like, "How in the hell did you? What did you do?" So what happened there? What happened with that axe? So the story is um, <laughs> the story is. He was okay. uh, he was using an axe and he was cutting a birch tree and he broke it on a birch tree, but I don't believe him. I think he hit a rock, <laughs> and there's no way that you could um, crack a a good crack steel like axe that on a birch tree. Mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, we're calling you out right here on the podcast. That was not a birch tree, and nobody believes you. Well, he's not he's not here to defend himself. So ha ha ha. That's his fault. That's his own fault. So in comparison, what was your first day like on the show? 
what was the first episode like for you? So the first day that we got there, um, it was actually, it was raining. And that whole night it was raining and we had no shelter and they gave us oh, yeah. the canoes. That was the first gift that we got. And um, they told us that we could sleep under the canoes, but there's six people and um, you can't really fit that many people under those uh they're very small canoes yeah i think the one canoe was really meant as a a solo canoe it wasn't meant for two people um but we did fit two people in it (laughs) paddling around but the first time that you paddle in a birch bark canoe is probably the hardest exercise you'll ever do it you have to use like your entire core your your legs your neck muscles your arm your back like I couldn't believe how engaged how physical of activity it was so I can definitely uh, understand that it, you, you can't go out after a storm with a birch bark canoe and you're just learning no um, and I was really scared the the birch bark canoe was like I thought I was gonna tip um but we developed a really good relationship with, with the canoes right away because you they were transporting us so that was like really special that they're made out of birch bark like i just yeah. i'd never been in a birch bark canoe before and uh it was a super cold night no none of us slept um and uh this didn't make it on film but uh, gabby one of the participants um she had a, a full like a freak out mode she was uh, yelling at everyone she did not she was not happy from the very beginning uh, she didn't want to be there <laughs> it was uh i knew it was going to be a struggle from the very beginning right Oof. right i really liked gabby I, a lot of us like gabby it's it she had very little preparation to like understand what was going to happen and you could tell that she was like very very new to these things but like recently i've been keeping in touch with her here and there and she's like processing fish now and like doing all those things that were really hard for her on the show it's like what a beautiful like i said it's been so beautiful watching all of you grow and develop into who you are now compared to four years ago it's it's honestly amazing i'm i'm floored at how far a lot of you've come all of you have come i haven't heard from ebony because she's not on social media i have no idea how well she's doing have you kept up with ebony she's living off the grid and uh, really yeah she's a true wild child so that's why she's yet yeah, she's not on Beautiful. social media so she's got her little piece of land and she's been developing it that's the last day i heard from her so that's that is awesome. totally, totally. <clears throat> so when it comes down to your experience on merch the wild oh, everything that happened for you what's that Did you have a question there, Nick? Yeah, I was. Oh, I Nikki? do have a question, but Kayla, feel, no, no, feel free. I, I've been, okay. I've been hogging the spotlight. You talk. I want to know because I know that things that are like that and experiences like that can be really intense. And so I was wondering if there was any moment or activity or anything that you did that really changed your outlook on things or changed your life in some way. <laughs> so just one thing that happened on that show oh it's actually it's too hard it's the whole overall experience but I know it was about halfway through I think 
or more than halfway through day 14 that I had a huge change in perspective. Up to that point, I was pretty, um, I was getting angry at the situation. I was like, oh, this is not what I expected. And I had to delve deep into my psychology and just like um, find this strength within to let go of all my expectations that I had of this experience. Because I thought it would be more like, um, I thought everyone else there would have like different wilderness experiences and we'd be like learning more from each other. I didn't think that um, so many of the people that were there were just total um, inexperienced with the wilderness. So, but after I let go of my expectations, it just was a way smoother trip. And I really got like in one with nature and I just found my groove and like by the the end of it I really didn't want to leave I wanted to continue to like live out there and and we worked so well as a group like we found our we found our secret mojo to work together and um yeah and it's honestly like there probably isn't a day that goes by I don't reference merchants experience at least once i mean i'm trying not to i think my family are sick of me like saying like <laughs> oh when i was on the merchants <laughs> like i keep talking about it all the time <laughs> yeah it's, I totally, it's okay i totally I do the same get thing. that i totally get that um it's such a huge part of you know what you've been through because it it is it is huge it's almost like a a rite of passage in a way it's a defining moment in your life yeah for sure well thanks it's a huge it's a test i think it's like the um, the the bush olympics <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and being out there and, and doing what you did brings up a lot of stuff for people no matter where mm. they are in their life it, it definitely brings up a lot of stuff so i commend you for doing what you did for 25 freaking days yeah it's awesome i did that for five days and i was a baby and since then i've uh like i've started watching that show alone i thought 25 days was like remarkable and then i started watching alone and those people <laughs> going out there for 80 days i'm like oh my goodness okay i was just just yeah. the beginning mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah we actually one of our last guests that we had on the show one of our because technically nikki was our first guest on the show i just realized and then you became a host what? yeah way back you were one of our first guests because you were just, you weren't co-host at that time you were just kind of jumping in helping out on the halloween episode i think so or yeah, maybe it was earlier it. yeah i think it was halloween episodes and then our next guest was supposed to be bruce zwalski but the, the audio got corrupted i gotta redo that whole thing sorry bruce i'm still working on that um but also the next one was kylan maroney who was on who was the, the lady that it made it 80 days on the most recent season of alone can't even imagine honestly yeah. it's it's mind-boggling the most difficult thing is to be alone in your own mind it's not the survival part of it, everything it's a compounding it's a compounding thing because i i did when i was younger when i was about 19 i spent 40 plus days out in the bush and i'm not i'm not doing like i wasn't going alone style i didn't have like just 10 items i'm allowed to have i had a full rucksack i had all the gear i could have 
I just want to go out and spend time in the bush completely alone. And by the second week, I freaking hated it. Uh, and it wasn't even just the psychological aspects. The fact that I'm the one that has to bring all the water in for the day. I'm the one that has to bring all the firewood in for the day. I'm the one that's do every single thing all the time, all the time. If you had just one extra person, one of you could be fetching water while the other one's cutting firewood, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. and then that starts to get into your psyche and that starts to mess you. It's like, I'm just stuck yeah. out here. Why the hell am I doing this? And well, so it's, it's compounding. Importance. It, yeah. it just makes you realize the importance of community and the mm -hmm. importance of people because we're not, um, we haven't evolved to be alone. <laughs> whatsoever. Not whatsoever. That's Being passed out used to be <clears throat> like a death sentence back yeah. in the days. Banishment was death. Yeah. I will say though that Merchants of the Wild the psychology is still part of it like learning to totally to work with like a group of strangers was yeah the most mind-boggling experience i ever had especially with like um with gabby and like her struggles that she went through like mm. i recognized right in the beginning that she was having like she didn't want to be there and she was having like panic attacks and um some of the other people might have laughed at her um lots of people I think really related to her because like mm. maybe she's a typical reaction like oh god I don't want to be out here in the middle of the wilderness <laughs> um <laughs> so but it was like oh it was really hard like um trying to to balance and trying to like make her feel comfortable and trying to like I I really encouraged her towards the end I was like you know what, like, I'm, I'm listening to you, and I hear you, you want to leave, so let's, um, let's try convince these guys that you gotta, you gotta leave, like, that's, um, let's try get that, that's the best thing rolling. for you, that's the best thing for, for her, that's even what we yeah. talked about in our whole leadership, and we talked about the stages of group development, and every group goes through those forming, storming, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff so it's mm -hmm. when you finally work your way through and by the end you're like okay we we can tolerate ourselves a little more or else you just storm the whole time and you can't wait to not see each other ever again sort of thing yeah but you gotta sometimes learn to adapt and overcome totally there's and i've been part of a big canoe trips before mm -hmm. i've done these 30-day canoe trips with the young people and there's usually one person that doesn't want to be there and they can just almost destroy a group so yeah. the best option is to we'll give them time to like sometimes it's just some emotions are going through and it calms down but we always give them the option to to evacuate like um take them home because sometimes it's just safer and better for them to be in a calm environment not so out of their comfort zone yeah you, you always got to challenge by choice and make sure you're not pushing someone too far that they all of a sudden just retract and want to completely implode that's the difficulty of those situations where you're thrown in. You're like, I got to do this. I got to do this. And then all of a sudden the fight or flight kicks in and they just, I want to go home. I want my dog. I want my bed. <laughs> hey, like I said, I keep saying this myself. If alone would do a alone with my dog, I'd win that show. immediately. <laughs> if I could do a TV show where I'm just in the bush with my dog, I would be completely happy. There's a, uh, 
If they won't do it, we'll start it ourselves. We'll get our own. We'll make our own TV show. Think about it. There's like Andrew Stanley from the Wild North, who's got originally had Charlie, but now he's got a new dog. And then way back, Steve Irwin had Sheila. Like all these, all these dogs that show up on the shows, they're important. They're important. They're they're part of the soul of the show. I think we need. I think that's the one thing we're missing on outdoor shows today is this relationship of of human and dog. We've had a relationship with them for fifty thousand years. Why would we not? showcase that i think like i think the closest thing we saw was like george michaud on one of the episodes of mountain men uh one of the seasons of mountain men he had his dog sled team and then you see like the movie um what was it called the one that willem dafoe did for disney oh and i it wasn't balto it was well balto was the original there's togo Uh, yeah Yeah, togo yeah i yeah, I cried hard on that one. I'm not going to even try to cover that up. I cried so hard. I'm a, I'm not sure if you understand this enough, Michaela, but I like dogs ten times more than people. Like I will twist and contort myself on the ground until any dog will be my friend. Like I and I smell like a dog, so it works. Um, but like I'm so emotionally invested in dogs more than people by 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 and large. And this this movie Togo, if you have that same kind of like empathy towards dogs or love for dogs, the last like 30 minutes is scary. Nothing bad happens. I'm not going to ruin the movie for you, but it's like there's some scenes that just make you want to cry hard. I don't recommend it. It's a great movie. Don't recommend it. <laughs> you know, I totally understand that the deep connection to dogs. We've had sled dogs pretty much mm-hmm. since I was a little girl. Uh, we don't have them anymore, but for my entire life that was the main job that me and my sister had was raising the sled dogs we had to train them feed them we had to um and and feeding sled dogs in the in the the bush involves a lot of fishing yes. uh, we had like yeah fish net we had to hunt for beaver mm. um any kind of animals that you could get um or you know the leftovers of the bones from catching a moose you had to make into food for the dogs so that was a big part of my life was just spending time with dogs and Mm. oh man I just I I love them so much and that's why I have an Instagram for my two dogs I have right now Calvin and Susie (laughs) so um yeah I just I love to spend time with if you're in the bush you need a dog 100% they they are everything there's we did a bush dogs episode last summer actually um we should we should do a revisit we should revisit that episode because there's a ton of other cool things with dogs like there's this cool like relation you're just talking like a lot of fishing and a lot of beaver trapping for and beaver hunting for the dogs there's this cool relationship of like how different indigenous peoples around the world feed their dogs and amongst inuit people who are along the hudson bay coast they feed them caribou while they eat the seal and then you go further south to the Cree down there that have their dogs and they eat the caribou and feed the dogs the seal. And so there's this completely different like dichotomy of which one gets fed by the person, which one gets fed on by the dog. And then there's a breed of dog from That's... Siberia. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, Brian. Well, I'm wondering, so here for the fish, um, the, the Cree people here, they feed the suckers to the dogs. I've heard I'm that a lot. Over in your area. I've heard that they actually like the people eat the suckers. So is that true? Yeah, we love sucker. I actually, we speared, uh, we being like five of us. So nobody think that I'm overfishing by any means, but I speared, uh, we speared 
about 40 sucker in a single night and they're all getting smoked and they're all getting converted into food for us. We love sucker um, around here, but around here, we also have like a ton of variety of fish. We have steelheads trout. We have salmon. We have walleye. We have pike. We have musky. We have two types of bass. We have all these pan fish and, and then the sucker come up only once in a little while that you come across them. So it's kind of like a special treat to us, I think is what it is. And Nishnabek, we're like fish eaters. We are obsessed with fishing. Like fishing is our complete, it's, it's what the Buffalo was to the Plains nations is what fish are to us. We freaking love fish, <clears throat> which is funny. Cause I only like two species of fish sucker and, 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 and um, I'm tired now. Salmon are my two favorite catfish is my third favorite, but uh, you don't get too many of them. Okay, where well, I live. You have to come here. You have to come to uh, visit me. Usky holistic adventures and we'll oh, yeah. go out sucker fishing we have so many suckers oh man it'll be like heaven i love for it you. and, and like, there's at least like four different species of sucker here oh yeah we only got the two that's awesome we've got we've got the, the what's called the white lake sucker and then we have the red horse sucker those are the two types that i i know there's other varieties on here but those are the only two that i've ever seen Hmm. But I'm talking about fish and dogs. Uh, so there's a documentary series that you would love to see. I'm sure if you haven't already called happy people a year in the taiga and the taiga. Okay. Okay. So it's actually my dad's favorite show. I love that show. It brings tears to my dad's eyes because it's so much like his, his life growing up. Like mm-hmm. all those memories are or what he used to do when he was a young man with his father and right. yeah, just living in the trap line. Like it's a hundred percent trap line life for sure. A hundred percent. My, my buddy, Mikhail, who runs uh Merkwares, uh, big shout out to Merkwares, one of my favorite companies out there. Uh, Mikhail and I've known each other since 2009 and back in like 20, I think it was 2011. He first found that show and showed it to me, the documentary. And he's like, I'm in love with these dogs. I'm in love with these dogs that are on the show. The Leicas. these are so amazing. And so in 2015, he found the only breeder in all of the United States of America that breeds the Siberian Laika. And he got one and he named it Krom from Conan the Barbarian. And yeah, that dog is like his right hand all the time, right by his side. That dog is like 100% his dog. And it's like, Mikhail lives in like Eagle Mountain area of Salt Lake City, Utah. Like they are not way off in the wilderness. They're not way deep in like the northern parts of Canada or Siberia. This dog sleeps on a couch. Like this dog is 100% spoiled rotten. But yeah, dogs in general are cool. They're, especially in the bush, it's such a benefit. But this is way off topic from Merch of the Wild. We're, we're here to talk about Merch of the Wild. Dan and Paul are probably just like shaking, like stop talking about dogs right now. So for those who don't know, Paul uh, Neary and Daniel Fortin, or Fortin, as I call him to annoy him, um, are the producers and director behind Merch of the Wild. Um, Dan's like my brother. I, I freaking love Dan. Paul I love too, but I don't see him as much. I don't hear from him as much. But uh, Dan, uh, we've we've been through a lot together. Have you heard the weirdness about Dan's family and my family? I have not. No. What's, okay. What's the what's the tea? So first off, my family is through my mom's side, which is non-native, are are married to married into a, a Mi'kmaq family over in 
uh, Mi'kmaq territory. In fact, um, oh, geez, I cannot remember his name right now, and I'm not going to try and remember it, or else I'm just going to get a bunch of my relatives angry at me. Anyways, um, they're also related to Dan. And then from there, his family, part of his heritage, is distantly connected to the Gaspesian Mi'kmaq. My family are the Gaspesian Anglophones over there. And then in the last, like, three years, a bunch of weird, like, interactions have been happening. Like, Dan's brother, Dave, moved to my, where my grandparents raised me, which is, like, three hours east of here, over in Kempville, in South Gower, specifically. <laughs> he was going bowling where my cousins own the bowling pin, the, the bowling, uh, what's, what's it called? Bowling alley? alley. Thank you. I'm so tired. He owned the, bowling the bowling pin. pin. I think the bowling something... <laughs> Things with bowling. I'm very tired. I've been up since five this morning. <laughs> it's it's been a long day. Um. Anyways, so he's over there, and then my sister moved to a place down near Belleville, which is exactly the street where Dan grew up. And my nieces now go to the school where Dan went to school. And then Dave, uh, Dan's brother, moved to the town right across from where I live. And it's like all these weird interactions are like, I feel like we're, I feel like one of us is like stalking the other without meaning to. It's a really weird, just like, we need to have a sweat or something soon because this is getting creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Small world. Definitely. That's yeah. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know what? I really like those two guys. They, they brought together such a cool group of people. Right? They made amazing, amazing show. And uh, I'm really proud to be part of it. And um, I still talk to Dan, yeah, all, uh, often as I can, you know, mm -hmm. see what's up, what's happening with him. So, yeah, I'm really glad that they, they created this show, and I can't wait to see uh, the, some more seasons. Hell yeah. It's, it's going to get even better and better. Um, I can't talk about what happens beyond episode one of season two. But uh, a lot's coming down the pipeline for everybody. A lot of my good friends, we made some really good friends out of uh, season two. Uh, the Denny family, especially of the Mi'kmaq people, of the Ilnu people, uh, the Denny's, including Terry, Luke, and Hunter. Big shout out to those three amazing people. Jerome, uh, Jerome is salt of the earth. I love Jerome altogether. Jerome, in a lot of ways, Jerome and, and uh, Terry remind me, if you put them together, they're kind of like Stan was for you guys. Just these, just a bush guy that just had the knowledge that you always were hoping to have at the right time. Like that's kind of how I always looked at Stan. And that's how I look at Terry, uh, Terry and, uh, uh, and Jerome, just these people who just show up at the right time with the right knowledge. Stan. Stan was definitely my, one of my favorite uh, elders from the merchants of the wild. He reminded me so much of my dad yeah, he just had that uh, that quiet uh, kind of wisdom to him, and he just he knew what he was doing in the bush. Mm. And one of my favorite moments was um, when he was first working with us, and we were chopping trees, and he was looking at us like we were complete idiots because none of us had gloves. <laughs> yep, he was like, "You should all be wearing gloves. Like that's a classic." Um, tool that you should have in the bush so I just thought that was um, hilarious because I know my dad would think the exact same thing and yeah, well, was, definitely do not go into the bush without gloves <laughs> it was one of the first things I said to you as well when we were like okay how about I show you guys how to make grass uh, grass rope and I just 
went over and punched the grass and ripped it and showed you how to tear the grass. And then everyone's like, we don't have gloves to do that. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have gloves? It's like the number one thing you need to protect your hands. There's a thing that gets you to survive. It'd be like being like, okay, let's go in the woods. I don't have shoes. What? Where's your gloves? Yeah. Stan, the first time I met him, I was patching one of the, uh, one of the birch bark canoes. There was a crack in part of the hall. So I was patching it up. And I just had a little fire going uh, at this little campsite and I had some spruce gum that had been collected. I'm just kind of patching it up and this truck just pulls in this big old, big old pickup truck. And this little tiny OG cream man just steps out who looked almost identical, except for like just his jawbone was different than my grandfather, but everything else about him looked physically like my grandpa. And he gets out and he sees a crooked knife or a Wikikmon or a Mokotagan sitting on the canoe and he sees my ax. He goes, Oh, you got some tools. You got a Mokotaga. I'm like, yeah. I got one back at home and he pulls out his phone and he shows me this beautiful image of one of the most exquisite crooked knives I've ever seen in my life. And he goes, I got some axes for the kids in the back. I'm going to pull them out. They're not as nice as yours though. And he pulls out this duffel bag of just these beaten to shit, like hard, hard used axes. And I'm like, oh, those are ugly looking. And I pick it up and I'm like perfectly balanced. And I look at the edge and I could see my face in the edge. Like those axes were sharper than anything I've ever seen. And as it's like, it was like this perfect moment in my head of like, this is a working man's ax. Like this guy has used every single one of these axes for his entire life. Holy crap. And we hit it off immediately. And then about an hour or two later, I got to finally meet you guys and work with you guys. It was, it was absolutely amazing i i really do miss stan i hope i keep hoping to have an excuse to go up to constance lake and it just hasn't happened yet because i really want to go visit stan and wayne and everybody wayne was a riot i love wayne negan all those folks up there that helped make that show happen it was as much as it's silly for me to say because i was only there for like three days but it was a big change in my life too I, i absolutely really appreciate my time with you guys up there it was it was actually that is really crazy. important you were only there for three days like, yeah it, it feels like it was way longer than that <laughs> <laughs> that's how everybody feels when they hang out with me like oh my god you've been here for days it's only been an hour god go please leave i totally get it i totally get it <laughs> but yeah um what's the plans for michaela in the future so plans for me are um I've been trying to kind of salvage the tourism season for right. canoe trips. And uh, it's been a super hard year for us, holistic adventures and mm. just cancellations after cancellations. Um, but I have another plan up my sleeve, which I haven't really been uh, talking about because I don't know if I can get over to the border, but I'm planning on moving to Norway and I'm going to be learning um, traditional woodworking and uh, living on a farm over in Norway and learning like um, how to preserve food and how to fish and hunt. Yes. Do all sorts of crazy stuff over in Norway and hopefully meet some Sami people. And hell yeah, that's a, a exciting plan that I have um, in the future. So fingers crossed. I can yes. Cross the board. <laughs> yes. Do this. I've got some people I can connect you with over there. You Oh, I'm jealous of you right now. I'm so jealous of you right now. I'm I'm like sitting here planning out like how many more ducks I'm going to get for my homestead. Whereas you're like, I'm going to go to Norway and just learn to live an awesome life. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to go and just see something totally different, totally new. Oh, yeah. And, um, and yeah, just experience a new way of life. And it's also in a familiar environment in a way because yeah, it's the, yeah, the same forest, the same, the same plants. So at least I could like go out and if I was, if I'm lonely, like go, I don't know, have a conversation with some plants. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's honestly like the, that's a huge surprise to me, but it makes total sense. And I'm so excited for you now. That is it totally. I'm like, really? She's going to do that. And like, that makes the most sense. If you're going to, if I was to go anywhere, it would be like Sweden or Norway. And then it, it totally makes sense for you to go over there and experience those exact same things. I'm mm-hmm. severely jealous of you right now. Well, you, you can come and visit. That come, is true. Come to the farm, <coughs> it out, bring your axe, learn some traditional Norwegian <laughs> axe methods. Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got actually a couple of books upstairs from Norway about like wood cutting techniques and stuff that they do. It's like, the last bastion of Euro, yeah, European bushcraft would be like Scandinavia, maybe parts of Northern England, maybe parts of Germany, but like Scandinavia, that's the place. That's the place to be if you want to have bushcraft in your life over there. And it's, it makes total, the Sami are some of the most beautiful people you will ever meet in your life. I've got a few friends who are Sami and they are, like they will give you the shirt off their back without you even asking. Like they are some of the kindest, most sweet people there are. And so I'm really excited for you to go over there and experience all that. I'm really, really excited for you. So I don't want to keep you much longer. I know that you're dealing with a storm and it's going to ruin some of your internet. And of course you're powering a generator for all this, just for this one episode. But uh, is there anything else you want to promote on the show? Talk about Cree talks. We've talked about Cree talks, talked about ASCII holistic uh, uh, tourism. We've talked about big Eddie lodged out your way as well. Yeah, Big Eddie Lodge is uh, my parents' uh, hunting lodge, mm. uh, but we work like together. I help guide for them. They right. help guide for me. So it's the same location. It's just I do more the canoe trips and the, the right, plant right. and herbal gathering. And they do like my dad is the hunting guide. So he does moose hunting, bear hunting, right, right. deer hunting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to add, <clears throat> I, I want to tell a funny story from Merchant please, of the Wild. Please, please do. Scenes. You want to hear behind the scenes story? Yes. God, yes. So, this is my favorite story that I love to tell my family. I've told them probably a hundred times. They love it. It's hilarious. So one day when there was no filming, we had a, a day off and I just took the birch bark canoe and I wanted to go paddle around, see where the beaver huts are. I was like by myself, no one's filming me. So I felt more relaxed than usual. Mm-hmm. So I was paddling along and I see a tent in the woods. And I say, okay, I gotta go check this out. So I go to this tent and it's totally empty. It's abandoned and no one's there. But I found out later, I think it was one of the safety guys mm-hmm. had been staying in a tent kind of nearby uh, within range of the, um, the satellite service right but he had a day off as well so no one was there and i looked inside of the tent and i see there is a package of coffee <laughs> and we hadn't had coffee this whole time and uh i i would i just i looked around no one was there so how can i take this coffee without like people knowing so i just i tore into it with my teeth and I chewed it to make it look like some animal broke into his tent and stole this coffee. I like, 
I poured some of it out into like <laughs> my pocket. <laughs> I put it in my pocket and then I just, I paddled back as fast as I could. And we made some cowboy coffee with our pot. I just like threw it in and oh man, that was probably the happiest day we ever had. We were drinking coffee, talking so fast. Like everyone was hyped. Like it was like, it felt like we drank like a, a bottle of cocaine or something. Like it was amazing. It was probably the coolest uh, thing that I, that didn't make it on the TV show. That's freaking amazing. I, I don't know who, I've never heard that story. And I'm wondering if there's like, I'd love to know if it was like, which safety officer it was or safety worker it was. Cause I'm just trying to uh, picture what they must've experienced when they got back to that tent and been like, we're too far North for raccoon. What the hell did this? I I found, um, I I talked to one of the safety guys after uh, we had a big after party. Right. And Mm. I said, like, I mentioned like, Oh man, there were so many mice out there. Like it was a big problem in our, area and he said yeah there was a mouse that got into my tent and it chewed up my coffee and <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell him what happened but well the truth is out there now because they're all going to be listening to this yeah <laughs> the truth is out there hey, the truth is out there well on that very hilarious note I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight Michaela this was this was honestly soul uh soul food for me just being able to tune in and talk to you and have a good good funny laugh and have a good sh- uh, reminiscing on stuff i want to thank you so much for joining us and i want to recommend everybody who's tuning in check out cree talks that you can find on spotify apple podcast pretty much anywhere you can find us because she's on anchor as well uh and therefore anchor disperses our content everywhere all over the internet and it does the same for her so check out cree talks where she spends time with her father learning traditional stories learning his life and all these amazing things through the language and in English as well. But also check out ASCII Holistic Healing. Is that what it is? I'm trying to remember the names of ASCII everything. ASCII Holistic Adventures. That's it, Adventures. And that's, um, yes. And ASCII, that's spelled uh, A-S-K-I, Holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T, I see, Adventures at .com. Yeah, that's the website perfect and you're on instagram you're on social media in general and please please tune in everybody check this stuff out and also check out of course merchants of the freaking wild merchants of the wild check this show out it's important it's beautiful episode two episode one of season two just dropped and you can find all the older stuff from season one on aptn.ca so check that stuff out. Be safe. Be well. Take care of yourselves. I also want to thank, of course, my co-hosts Ryan and Nikki, who came in with some cool questions. We're and of course, useless. <laughs> we're all very exhausted. <laughs> we're all Ryan and I have been working on. Ryan came out all the way out here to help me over the last few days because we have a landscaping exemption uh, for people to help us. We're allowed to have people come over if they're helping work on the land, not come in houses. So he's been over like cutting down and burning brush and clearing brush getting our food forest and our garden built with me and it's i think we're both just exhausted we're very happy with what it looks like but we're both very exhausted (laughs) and then nikki's coming down from having the best day of her year so 
we're all very tired. Mm. <laughs> so forgive me if I say anything wrong or sound bizarre, but uh, thank you all three of you for being on the show tonight. I also want to thank our supporters on Patreon, people like Renee Nolting, Paul McCartney, uh, Sarah Quirino, and of course, Nikki Satira, who's for some reason a patron and a co-host. It feels like a weird conflict of interest having you as a co-host of the show and then you're paying to be, it's like you're almost paying to be our co-host. It feels awkward to me. Nikki's not even hearing me right now. I'm hearing you. Okay. <laughs> what did I say? You're thinking sponsors. <laughs> sponsors. Okay. We have sponsors now. But the patrons. <laughs> I was thanking you specifically as a patron. Oh, because I do I do multiple things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I paid to be on this podcast. <laughs> That's what we were making the joke of. Yes. You I'm I'm glad you just caught on. <laughs> I was like, it's almost like you're bribing us to be on the show. And I'm like, that's not true, though. Nikki's really like. I'm really cool, important. I swear. You're awesome. You're freaking awesome. I you adore you. You really high pitched there. So I have a lack of trust. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you went, you're awesome. It's <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> so I, 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 I um, don't trust what you're saying. All right, fuck it. I hate you all. How about that? <laughs> better no i know you love better. me so don't i do love bring you. me into that so and you do love me sure it's to be determined <laughs> all <you>, right <laughs> that should be our sign off tonight fuck you caleb thanks everybody take care be safe love you all wash your damn hands and everything else